Uh, not much news here. Um, everything, everything's going well. I'm finishing my, I have about three more verses in my explanation of the, uh, from Stuti Brahma's prayers. Um, So that's moving along pretty well. Um, and uh, otherwise we're, as I said last time, still planting a lot of vegetables here. So <laughs> everything's good. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so Pranada, you want to start with your question? Hi, Krishna, yes. Um, Maharaj, I have a, a question from a friend um, who is, uh, I'll just read it to you. Is there any description by the Acharyas about the 16 name structure of the Maha Mantra that supports the view of union and separation for the intensification of Prema Bhakti? Well, um, no, what, I'm not sure what she or she, or she means by supports the conception of union and separation. Well, he was describing how in his chanting, he had an impression of um, Radha and Krishna coming together, and then there's moments of separation and then coming together and separation. He was wondering if there's any Shastric ref reference for the um, conception or feeling that he was having. Well, I, I don't quite understand that either, but Radha and Krishna um, are engaged in uh, creating the high and low tide of which, if you will, are union and separation. Um, so in the context of the Leela, there's sometimes separation and sometimes there's union. And uh, with each of the types of separation in, uh, in romantic love, there are four corresponding types of union. After the separation, for example, um, of Purvarag, where before being able to meet and express their love for one another, um, there's a sense of anticipatory uh, separation that's followed by the union. Um, when they're separated from, for some period of time, short period of time, there's union that corresponds with that. Um, when they're separated for a long period of time and there are difficulties as well or impediments to their union, that's the more intense separation and there's a corresponding type of union. And there's also a separation that's felt in the context of union with the anticipation that um, they may, they may have to separate by force of circumstances. And so there's a, a union that corresponds with that. I'm sparing you the technical names of them, but um, uh, the greater the separation, then the more, um, more profound, if you will, is the, is the union. So, as I say, the low tide is the separation, high tide is the, is the union. And throughout the course of the day of the Leela, it's, uh, the Leela is moving in between the two. The devotees, excuse me, desire to bring about the unification. They don't work to bring about separation. Mm -hmm. But the union at the same time is uh, facilitated or enhanced, complemented by 
by separation. So the two are uh, inseparable, if you will. Um, and um, so it's a large part of the uh, of the teaching, and then the union and separation there, and other rasas, of course, as well. So um, the idea that they're, and then then I should say that, um, well, you know, there are, like I say, a number of varieties and, and divisions and so forth of, of such um, broader categories I've kind of alluded to, but there are even more um, specific uh, types of separation within, for example, the Mahabhav that is um, the experience of Radha and Krishna. Um, so, um, you know, the Mahamantra is, uh, is about, um, it's generally thought to be a Sambhog mantra. In other words, it's uh, about bringing Radha and Krishna uh, together, which is again what everyone strives to do and uh, um, in so doing overcome the different obstacles to that in, in the Leela. So, where does the Mahamantra fit into union separation? Well, it's, 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 it's all about the uh, bringing them together. So that means it's all about union and separation. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, looking for a verse that says the Mahamantra says this. Um, it's all over the whole, you know, texts everywhere that uh, this is the nature of the Leela. It moves in this way like the two banks of a, of a river, union and separation, and they're kind of inseparable. They, they're a package. It, it, uh, um, union turns to separation, separation turns to, to union, and so the Leela turns on that, so to speak. And uh, Mahamantra, is is uh, in the highest sense of that is is to be is, is will afford us uh, participation in in those uh, affairs. So uh, you can read uh, or your friend can read the different uh, quote unquote commentaries on the holy name by Jiva Swami. I think Raghunathaska Swami um, and and others, they're not really like kind of translations, but what they are is more or less expressing experiences from chanting Hare Krishna and Rama that transports the devotees into different um, leelas. Um, so, uh, you know, there's there are different meanings. <laughs> Um, Radharani chants the Mahamantra too. So for her, Hare doesn't mean Radha. It's a name for Hare Krishna. Um, and some, I think Raghunathaska Swami has written about Hare is, Hare, Hare is, a, is, a, is a name for, for Radha, Hara, and so forth. So I'm sure your friend knows about that, but um, But if you're, let's say, if you're chanting Hare Krishna and you have some sense that uh, um, well, I would, I would, you know, I'm not sure what he's talking about, what his experience is. I guess he's having a th thought that they're together. Uh, what was it? What exactly was his? Oh boy, do I still have it up? Hold on one second. Wait, just no. Um, it's, I'm getting there. About the 16, is there any quote about the 16 name structure of the Mahamantra that supports the view of union and separation for the, and he, he's missing something here, of visualizing union and separation 
for the intensification of one's own prema bhakti. Like I say, you know, you can envision union and separation very, very readily, you know, in, in a sense, by reading the texts, uh, the Lila Grantas, which are, you know, explain how the Lila works in that way through the examples of union and the, and the, the separation that occurs, the details, if you will, of technical names and so forth, and divisions within divisions of union and separation are largely um, found in Ujwal Nilmani, but um, um, I'll just say the Hare Krishna Mantra will acquaint us firsthand, you know, with the Leela, which is um, moving in that way. So that's, I think, the best I can, can answer. I think one of the things I didn't make specific, I think now as I'm thinking about it, what he's trying to say is that, is that the actual structure of the Maha Mantra and its 16 names indicating some union and separation? Uh, no, not, uh, nothing's been written about that um, that I'm aware of. Best I can do with that Thank question. <laughs> okay, yeah. what else? Widowa has a question, but he's at work, so he asked me to ask his question. Who? Widowa. Okay. He says that, um, can you explain the difference between Paramatma and Brahman? Reading sacred preface helped me a lot, but could you talk about the subject a little more? Yeah, well, uh, of course, it's said that there are three kind of faces or aspects of the Godhead, Bhagavan, uh, Paramatma, and Brahman. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdhita is a famous verse of the Bhagavatam that, that Jiva Goswami explains over a couple of his treaties, Sandarvas, Bhagavat Sandarva, and the um, Paramatma Sandarva. Um, well, uh, I should say that there he explains Bhagawan and Paramatma, um, respectively. He doesn't say much about Brahman because there's not much to be said about Brahman. What can you say about something that is, is new research without qualities, in, indeterminate, um, so abstract? Um, In the um, but the but the difference between Brahman and Paramatma, in one sense, is that the latter is moving in the direction of the determinate face of the absolute. Determinate meaning here that, that the face of the absolute with qualities and form and so forth and distinction, where there's no distinction in Brahma Sayuja, for example, that one experiences between itself. And, and Brahman in kind of eternal, restful uh, peace. And given that there's no distinction there, uh, there's no movement, um, there's no significant other, and um, there's no one to in an ongoing way, give to. Uh, so it's limited, Brahman, in its capacity to afford us any kind of love for the absolute. It's, it's filled with the lack of false love, material desire, and all that is really a... Um, constitutes exploitation in one form or another, taking, if you will. So Brahman is the end of taking, but as I often say, living, loving is more about not, more than about just not taking. So um, um, again, as we move from an indeterminate absolute, in the, in, in, in the, in the Brahman, uh, feature of the absolute, then you're going to have 
Satchitananda, but the emphasis is going to be on sat. Hmm? Existence, I exist. I, uh, there's no end to me. I'm not threatened by anything. I can't be burned by fire, or withered by the wind, drowned by water, etc., and so forth, as, as the Gita says. Um, so, eternal existence is prominent, and I know that I exist, and knowing that I exist in this condition is arguably blissful um, in a kind of a relief type of bliss of having overcome something very uh, distressful. Mm -hmm. So the equation, if you will, of sat that which is a term that um, describes the absolute um, conscious, consciousness, uh, existence, consciousness, um, love, being, knowing, loving, something like that. So if you, if you move from Brahman to Paramatma, then the, the equation is going to, going to change in terms of the measure, or the, the way these features of Sat, being, Chit, knowing, and Ananda um, manifest. So for the Paramatma, then they're going to be, the Chit is going to be more prominent. Hmm? knowing. And of course, the path of Astanga Yoga understood in the fullest sense uh, in its where it can lead one involves some admixture of bhakti and results in Shantarasa, a beatific vision. So you're seeing another um, and there's a, the chit is prominent for example, in yoga, um, omniscience is uh, a sense of om omniscience is is, uh, is emphasized through yoga. You can know how your organs work, for example, and slow down your heart. Um, so, just as an example, it's very much about. Uh, about knowing. So it brings one in touch with that feature of the absolute, who's all-knowing, the omniscient, the paramatma. Um, and, and Shantarasa, so you could, you could enter into any, a, in a state of Brahma Sayuja, for example, kind of emerging in Brahman um, perception not that the two, the jiva and the brahman, become one in all respects, but there's a likeness between the jiva and the brahman, qualitatively. So they, they, they fit together um, quite well. Um, so, um, so, Say so. So anyway, so so yoga and paramatma they um, correspond. The paramatma is, is omniscient. Oh, but I was going to say so you can enter into Brahma Sayuja through Gyan and in, in a slight mixture of bhakti, and uh, having entered there, still you would be very far from Shantarasa. Hmm? Shantarasa is is something that the yogi can experience. Um, because in rasa, you need two. You need the object of love, and you need, you need the lover. In Brahman, there's no object of love. And there's no sense of any other. So, um, moving from there to Paramatma is, 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 is a considerable um, progress in terms of exploring the, the nature of the, of, of the Godhead. So uh, there, of course, and there, of course, you go to, you go to Bhagawan. Um, and whereas in Shantarasa, there is no preoccupation with the qualities of Krishna, his leelas, but just the form 
of the uh, his, his his Paramatma form, if you will. Um, in Bhagavan realization, then obviously there's interest in his qualities and participation in his in his leelas. So there's a static kind of knowing uh, that um, is Shantarasa and um, there's a attachment to the beatific vision of the absolute. Um, so it's quite different Paramatma realization and Brahman realization and Paramatma is um, is very different than than Brahman because he's determined. He has qualities and features and uh, and so forth. Brahman in Brahman, none of his qualities are manifest. So the Surup Shakti is much less active there. I don't know if I've said anything more than what's in sacred sacred preface, but um, I hope that helps. He can hear, but he can't talk, so. Okay. Sounds right. like Brahman realization. <laughs> okay, Prakat Mika, would you like to ask your question and mute yourself? Good morning. Good morning. Um, okay, so I've got two questions, and they're from the beginning of the book, the heart of Krishna. Um, <clears throat> so it's in from the introduction. It says, Vrindavan Das Thakur says, if a person commits an offense at the lotus feet of a Vaishnava, even though he may have received Krishna's mercy, he will never attain divine love prime. And then a paragraph or so later, um, it says, regarding the phrase, Krishna Kripa Huelio, even though he may receive Krishna's mercy, Srila Saraswati Thakur comments, people may think that because an offender appears to continue to chant without difficulty, the Lord must still favor him, but they are wrong. The Lord is not even slightly moved by their sham devotion. So my two questions are, uh, what kind of offenses would cause a person to never attain prime, and can those be committed unknowingly? And then my second question is, how do we know that our practicing the angas of bhakti are not a sham? Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, appreciate your your reading, studying, and so forth. Um, I think that there's a um, um, statements that you've read are uh, emphasizing the point of offending Vaishnavas so that we'll be more cautious uh, not to do so. Um, that said, there are different kinds of offenses one could could be involved in, and they, their reactions would uh, come in the form of impediments to going forward in one's progress. But um, offenses to uh, Vaishnavas is, is uh, like biting the hand that feeds you, so it's not a good idea. Um, and much has been said about that, and you've read some quotes, and the reaction for Vaishnava Aparat can extend into the stage of Bhava Bhakti. And um, they will postpone, if you will, one's progress to praying until they can be mitigated. Um, so that's interesting because Baba Bhakti is kind of beyond time um, and space. And so they carry into that 
realm, the penultimate kind of stage. Um, but they can be um, um, I think that the statement is is uh, needs to be have the caveat that, that they can that they can be made up for, not by simply going to Krishna. The point is, but by approaching the devotee um, oneself, who one's offended, um, or the devotees of that devotee. So the emphasis seems to be. Um, in the verses or the statements that you quoted that Vaishnava Aparad is, is uh, an impediment and it can impede one from ever getting bhakti. Um, that's true, unless one takes steps to, to overcome it. In other words, yeah, it, it's an impediment and Krishna won't, won't tolerate it. So there's, a, there's an example of that. In Durvasa Muni, he offended Ambarish, and as a result, the Surasan Chakra chased him, and he went to Brahma and had to, couldn't get relief. Went to Shiva, he couldn't get relief. And he entered into Vaikuntha, and he talked to Narayan, and Narayan wouldn't give him relief either. So that's your the point that's being raised. There's an, an example in the scripture to illustrate that. Narayan said, I, I'm not, I, I can't forgive you. If you want forgiveness, you have to go to Ambarish. You were offended, so he went, and then, then he was his, his um, offense was, was was rectified. So I think that that is more um, what's being said. That um, it, it doesn't it, it, unto itself. Yes, offense can be such to a Vaishnava, and there are different types of offenses. So there are verbal, mental, and physical offenses, and then there are offenses to. Uh, neophyte devotees, intermediate devotees, and superlative devotees. So if you have a very strong physical offense to a superlative devotee, you've got the worst equation, and the reaction will be um, that much more of an impediment, if you will. Because you I mean you're going against bhakti, you're going against the very thing that you're trying to do, and in a very prominent way, by as I said, like biting the hand that feeds you. So um, problematic. So in that situation, yes, you can, if you leave it at that, Krishna's, he basically saying, you go to Krishna, that Krishna's not going to resolve it for you. So, but it can be resolved. If you leave it like that, you can't get bhakti. But if you rectify it by approaching the Vaishnava and so forth, and, and those fences can be, uh, in, that are done, by word can be rectified by word if you vilify someone, um, uh, a Vaishnava, or if they're done mentally, then they can be resolved mentally by the proper uh, remorse. And uh, if they're done physically, then they should be, uh, they can be counteracted by dealing with it physically, for example, becoming the, the, the disciple of that, that person, rendering personal service to that person. You could render service to their samadhi if they're gone, um, for example. Um, so I think the statement just leaves it at a certain point, but it, it's, it's for an emphasis. Again, if you make an offense uh, like that, then you can't get praying ever, unless you, you, you take the course to rectify it, which is the kind of this part that has been left out, if you will. But um, if you, I think, study the whole text, you'll find explanations like that. Um, so that's the first part, and I think um, the second part was how do you know if your bhakti's not a sham? Well, I think that if you're asking that question, then that's evidence that it's not a sham because you don't want it to be a sham, you want it to be sincere, and that that concern for that in and of itself is an example of um, sincerity. Mm -hmm. And so that's how, that's one way in which you know. Another way in which you know is by experiencing spiritual uh, progress from such, such practices. Mm -hmm.
Does that help? Yes, thank you. <clears throat> okay. Keep chanting and reading. Okay. Okay. Tiva Goswami. Good morning, Maharaj. Good to see you again. Good, Good to see you. Uh, this is my wife, Kishore Kishori Devi Dasi. She wants to ask a question today. Um, thank you for being here. Um, nice to meet my you. My question uh, is about how we as spiritual practitioners can, who, who are not very advanced, speaking for myself, um, how I can uh, effectively and, um, and, and rightly uh, act in the world given the current state of violence and racism towards people of color. How do, I feel like I, I need to chant more and I have been and pray more. Um, and like I said, not very advanced. I feel like that's, I can't only do that. So how as a spiritual person do I act in, in these situations? I see. Well, that's an interesting question. You're basically saying that your practice is not uh, strong enough that the world of problems, if you will, looms large with regard to a particular problem at uh, the moment in mm -hmm. your mind and calls on you to participate in it in a way that would be positive and help to bring about a solution, social yes. justice, if you will. So it's good to have that uh, honest uh, perspective that you're, if you were more advanced, um, you would be able to kind of identify more with the fact that the material world is um, always going to be here. You're participating in a very tiny part of it hmm? on one, one planet and in one country, you, at least the U.S., this kind of the phenomenon you refer to is going on now. Um, and so it's a very, you know, if you, if you want to step back, for example, to a more in-depth perspective of a transcendentalist on the path of bhakti, well, you know, there, there are lots of other problems um, as well. Um, how humans treat the environment, um, animals, how one animal treats another animal. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty bad scene overall. Um, mm -hmm. And so seeing that bigger picture is part of what a transcendentalist um, do, it does, it sees her in terms of a focus and sees that there's not much I can do, you know, for, the world is always going to be here, material world, and there's always going to be some kind of discord and suffering. It's the very nature of the place. So let me transcend it and set an example that others may also um, desire to do so. But hmm, not everybody can um, be that absorbed that they can, on an ongoing basis, see the world in that way, and thus they may be drawn to participate in it. Basically, that's what you're saying. Um, and I, that I have the, I yeah. feel like if I were to step back, and this may be erroneous, but I feel like if I were to try to step back, I would be doing so out of my own privilege because my life is not immediately in jeopardy because of the mm. racism that is, is occurring. I mean, and so it feels wrong of me to try to step back. I, I hear what you're saying, and I, it seems like I, I don't fully under, I understand. No, I understand. Well, but. I understand. That. I'm giving the broader picture that you're unable to entirely identify with due to the stage of your practice. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so certain problems in the world loom large for you and call on you to participate. And so how to participate in those Mm -hmm. from a Krishna conscious perspective is what you're, you're asking, right? Yeah. Um, and um, 
Well, one way would probably be not to be involved in looting and you know further violence. Unfortunately, that's uh, that's a problem. Um, and peaceful protest is hard to come by with regard to this particular problem. So I wouldn't recommend getting out there with a sign or something like that and and uh, protesting. But um, um, I, I don't know how you can be involved in it. Uh, um, and I think that um, it's a you know four hundred year old problem in the United States uh, that uh, the, the the racist perspective that a lot of white uh, privileged people um, are you know they, they 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 suffer from to one extent or another. So I mean you have to uh, I guess you can set a good example. Um, are you not even, are you living in the United States? No, I'm not even in the United States. So yeah, I've, all I've been trying to do is educate myself more. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I, what I want to say is, you know, it's, it's your, you know, it's a, your feelings about it are an example of sattvic parabdha karma. So compassion, um, in a worldly sense, is a type of um, karmic perspective rising out of sattva. Um, and so you try to set a good example and um, I mean, what can you say? People are, who perpetuate such things, promote such things, think that such things, the death of that fellow, the murder, if you will, of that fellow, are acceptable and so forth. I, I don't know how you can reason with them. I, I really, you know, it, it's a disease. Um, um, and I don't, I don't see it as, it's gonna, 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 go, gonna go away. Um, unfortunately, you know, you're talking about the United States president has kind of brought these people out from underneath the rocks that they, they, they should have, they were living under and, um, you know, brought them into his cabinet <laughs> for the most part. Um, so it's a huge problem for the United States and it's a huge problem for the, for the world. And, you know, this is just one um, symptom of, of where that, 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 that that I, you know, I would lay a lot of the blame. Not that this thing hasn't happened during other administrations, but um, this one is like uh, encouraging it, so to speak. Uh, so uh, it's bizarre. I mean, and then you know, the conspiracy series that's perspectives that surround these types of things are, are even you know more bizarre. Uh, so. It's hard to, I can't answer what, what you should do, but I appreciate the fact that you're honest about where you're at and that these things call upon you. And I would just say that the extent that they do, then you have to find ways to participate in them that will uh, satisfy your, 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 your mind and so forth, that uh, you're not a part of the problem, but you're, you're part of the um, solution. I mean, I could say, get on Facebook and argue with people, but I mean, uh, one of the things I've learned, well, I've tried to learn, I don't think I've learned it yet, is it's a mistake to think that irrational people will listen to reason. Uh, I keep committing the mistake um, and thinking that, you know, if I just present this reasonably, people, obviously people will understand and take it up, but they, but they don't. They're unreasonable. So that's what you're dealing with. And that's subhuman. Human life is about, you know, a rational faculty being predominant. And um, fortunately, even you can have it, but abuse it and also to just find better ways to exploit and so forth. But anyway, so I appreciate your question and your honesty. And I just want to say that, you know, it's not, uh, it's understandable that, uh, 
Sometimes devotees may feel like that because they're less advanced. That is not a bad thing. That's just a fact. Um, Got to start somewhere. So you're a, you're a good devotee and, um, and you try to set an example for, for others as best you can. And, and, and then there will be a double benefit for them. They'll move into, our, into a perspective that is more uh, just and fair and also by example in the direction of Krishna consciousness, which is in the ultimate solution. You know, there, like I say, there's, there's problems in the world. That's one perspective. The other perspective is the world is a, is a problem. So you got to gradually gra- gra- gravitate towards the, towards the latter. Um, and in the meantime, participate in, in ways that you, you can, um, because without doing so, you're going to be left with feelings that are not conducive to, to your practice. You're going to feel, I'm, I'm, I'm um, not doing what I can in relation to that. So, hope that helps. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Okay, uh, Gordon Orion. Hi, Krishna. Good morning. I had a question based on. Let's see, I was reading in the CC one of the section it was about Chandrasekhar and then in the purport it mentioned that even though he wasn't a Brahmin he I think it said he accepted a sacred thread and then later on because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't care about um, everyone being sujus except for Brahmins and so other people began to accept the sacred thread despite objections from the so-called Brahmins. I was confused by that because I thought you said that would uh, remove the Right. Well, first of all, I think within the Varnashram system, there are those who are born Brahmin families and are, are Brahmins by qualification. And there's a ritual of receiving the thread for young boys. It's kind of like in Catholicism, confirmation. I don't know if they have something like that in other religious traditions. They probably do where the confirmation is done at a young age and you get to pick a name of a saint who becomes your patron saint. I chose St. Francis myself. Uh, and then you add that to your name. You know, you got a four names. You got a first name, a middle name, and confirmation name in the Catholicism and your, your surname, your last name. So, um, it's, I think they do that in Catholicism. They used to do it at the age of 12 or something like that. Now you're making an adult decision. <laughs> uh, but um, so um, there's a similar uh, ritual, if you will, um, rite of passage um, for the Brahmin boys. And, um, but they get the sacred thread, but also in the Varnashram, the, uh, the, the Vaishas and the Chatriyas are qualified to receive threads. They're called Brahmabandhu, friends of the Brahmins. Hmm. I don't think that it would be given to the, to the Sudras. Um, so there's, during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, among his associates, for example, in, in, in Bengal, uh, Chandrasekhar, who you're speaking of wearing the thread and so forth is not like a member of the Gaudiya Sampradaya initiated um, after the Goswamis formed the Sampradaya and gave their policies and practices, decorum and so forth for the devotees. Hmm? Um, so there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a difference there. And the life of Chandrasekhar with regard to accepting the thread and, and so on is is part of the the the, the Leela of Mahaprabhu's associates hmm, who were living in the world and following the Varnashram system and and um, and they were Vaishnavas um, at the same time um, 
Vaishnavas who were, I would say, um, as a household of like Chandra Shekhar, Vaishnavas living in a Varnashram society and um, functioning in that society by way of um, socially and religiously speaking, um, incorporating the different um, samskars, like this is one of them, um, into their lifestyle without attachment to those karmic um, functions uh, or without any thought that participating in them will enhance my bhakti, not participating in them will be an impediment to my bhakti. Uh, Baldi Vijibhosan calls such a devotee a um, what's the term he uses? Uh, Parinishta. So typically a family person um, who's fully participating in the, in the family life, which means raising kids, has an occupation, goes to church on Sunday, so to speak. Um, so the, the, in that time, there was kind of a blending of Vaishnavism and, and Varnashram because Varnashram was the social structure. Hmm? So the Vaishnavas would, if they weren't renunciates and they were in the society, uh, typically as householders, then they would live according to the Varnashram social system, but without attachment to the system again, and the thought that this is required for my bhakti, not doing this will be an impediment to bhakti. It wouldn't be. So um, um, that said, once the Sampradaya is formed by the Goswamis and, and they give their um, teachings and Hari Bhakti Vilasas there in terms of the, uh, how the one conducts oneself in, in, in the society as a Vaishnava um, and so forth. So anyway, it became a practice within the lineage once it was formed for those with thre sacred threads from the Varnashram symbolically to take the thread off as a way of saying, now I'm um, on the Vaishnav marg, Vaishnav path. Um, that was a system for the long time. Bhaktisiddhanta then instituted giving the sacred thread for the same reason that it was uh, taken off as a, as a custom. Reason being to demonstrate that Vaishnavas are at least Brahmins um, or, or more. Of course, it depends what extent that you're a Vaishnava, that, 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 will be, that will be the case. People in Bengal were thinking that these Vaishnavas were irreligious, so Bhaktisiddhanta gave them the thread and said they're, 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 they're above even the Brahmins and Vaishnavism because they're at least Brahmins and more. Um, and when people saw the thread, they thought, oh, that's good, because they, they didn't understand the purpose of it. But they, but they thought if you have a thread, then you, you must be religious and you must have the eligibility to worship the deity, for example, um, which is the function, one of the functions of a Brahmin in society. So anyway, uh, stories like that or leaders like that describe the associates of Mahaprabhu in Bengal are one thing, how we as practitioners, practitioners of, of Uttam Bhakti given by Rupa Goswami is there's going to be some, some differences and we don't live in a Varnashram society. Does that help? Yes, thank you, Guru. Yeah, okay. Um, Avinash, you need to unmute yourself to ask your question. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble impressions at your lotus feet. Dandabhat Pranam. Uh, Maharaj, I'm from Odisha, uh, and uh, I have uh, one question. Puri ki jai. Maharaj, I have one uh, question that uh, how uh, we have to chant, uh, of, like, uh, you know, while we chant, uh, ch I, I was chanting, so I have a lot of distraction came to my mind, you know, how to, you know, get rid of that 
distractions and my second question maharaj uh, nowadays in india we saw the lot of uh, videos came out to defame our sanatan dharma how uh, as a person as a uh, practitioner of vaishnava how to react on this video uh, video such video which is very uh, spread uh, uh, like they are very lot of organization they spread very uh, nicely and people get distracted and they have some di- different perspective how to get react uh, on this thing much thank you I don't, I don't understand the second part of your question so we're uh, Yeah uh, Maharaj uh, nowadays in India a lot of videos came out and which is uh, they promoting sanatan dharma yeah yeah they they defame the sanatan dharma and how defaming the sanatan dharma oh, they talk defaming. about a lot of bad about things oh, i see and uh, and uh, that is my question how we react yeah as, as far as the uh, chanting and distraction in the mind I mean, it's uh, it's just, it's something that um, anyone who's been in material life uh, is going to have. Um, the mind needs to be arrested and controlled. And in one sense, uh, wherever the heart is, the mind will follow. So whatever you give your heart to, is where your mind will go, right? So um, in the beginning, the the chanting is is said to be about cleansing the heart, hmm? cleansing the consciousness. Um, So you should go on chanting despite the fact that there's clutter there because in time by chanting the clutter will go away if you if you if you really give your heart to the chanting so it's not a tongue exercise chanting or an ear exercise much as a heart exercise so if you chant feelingly with your heart give your all and all to the chanting then um then um your your mind will will follow because it's just practical wherever your heart is that's where your mind is so obviously there are other things in your heart so your mind is uh, gravitates towards them is preoccupied with them so there's a you know there's there's mercy and there's effort in bhakti in the earlier stages um the effort may seem more uh, more prominent mm-hmm. um so uh that said i mean bhakti vinod has addressed the problem i think in in the harinam chintamani he said put a blindfold on and lock the door um and chant um so these are two external things which uh you know are kind of like a way of saying that i'm not you know i i don't want to be distracted and i'm not going to do whatever i can do not allow that distraction to come um so you know you can even do something like that but but um also just hearing about the efficacy of the name the power of the name um what it means that krishna nam has come into your life exploring the 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 significance in that the, the overwhelming um um grace that 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 is what powers in them thinking about these things contemplating that um is uh, will be helpful also to you you think here i'm chanting what is this about and then in comparison what are the things my mind is going towards what is that about <laughs> it's so tends to be very petty and small and even even when they're relatively nice ideas that you might have they're still very small um in comparison so with that kind of like um thinking the thing out so to speak you can with your intelligence apply yourself better to to the chanting there's no more there's no way i could be spending my time better than what i'm doing right now at this chanting there's no thought i could have that's more important um and so forth that kind of thinking um could help kind of a mind and kind of a contemplation of uh, uh the significance of the name you can also study the shikshastakam which is about krishna sankirtan this is what it's all about chanting the holy name 
and the stages that it brings one through um, and, and so forth. Um, so that should help. As far as the de defaming Sanatana Dharma, I, I think that, um, you know, this is largely a misunderstanding of Sanatana Dharma. Um, Um, by a lot of people, Westerners and Indians, and it probably relates to um, the caste system and outcasts, what do they call Dalits, the outcasts. Um, but to give you an example of the kind of confusion that arises about Sanatana Dharma, there are, there are now Indian people who um, are concerned about social justice and how a certain fundamentalist approach to Hinduism and Sanatana Dharma um, results in a lack of compassion, um, ra racism, bigotry, um, and so forth. Um, so they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, get rid of the Sanatana Dharma, this, this is what, see this is what it does. But that's an abuse of Sanatana Dharma that does that. But there are people that, who, who are concerned about that, and interestingly enough, or ironically enough, also take a perspective that Westerners shouldn't be practicing yoga because yoga is for Indians. Who are you Westerners to take up yoga? Cultural uh, uh, appropriation. Um, basically, they're saying the same thing. They're advocating the same thing that they're uh, on a, on a, in India militant against. Do you understand? That's a very, that just shows you the extent to which the whole thing can get confused. So, so you're, in, you're, you're from India, you're Indian born and you are concerned that what is, what is being represented by the Hindutva, uh, fundamentalist form, expression of the Sanatana Dharma is, is um, creating, uh, is, is, is promoting bigotry and, uh, and so forth. And then you turn around and say that, that Western people shouldn't practice yoga because it's ours, that's bigotry. Um, as well, so it's it's all a misunderstanding of the of the teaching, and and, and I think that uh, that in historical time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, no one more than him, has showed um, a good example of uh, what the the essence of of Sanatana Dharma and how it is inclusive. I mean, Hinduism properly understood is inclusive, it's not exclusive. The Abrahamic, Abrahamic traditions tend to be exclusivist and Eastern traditions tend to be more inclusivist. So I think that it's difficult. Again, you know, you got a situation where people are bigots, people are um, racist, and there, there's using, what happens in the United States too, people use Christianity to promote bigotry and racism. Um, and so people who will not, uh, who don't understand the deeper, deeper arguments for theism and spiritual life, and so we just want to throw the whole thing out. Mm -hmm. uh, throw out religion. See, it's just a problem. You've got people who profess they love Jesus and they're going to shoot their neighbor because he's, he's, uh, has a different colored skin. I mean, what's that, right? That's, so that's the same thing going on in India. Um, uh, there's a misrepresentation of Sanatana Dharma that shows up as, as being bigoted and so people want to just throw the whole thing out. But you're throwing the proverbial baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So 
you give me an example to better instruct people when the opportunity comes up as to what, what the Sanatana Dharma is, is really about. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement is a good example how inclusive it was. Haridas Thakur was a, an outcast, but he became Mahaprabhu's uh, best example of um, one who embraced his, his method of, of non-kirtan. Rupa and Sanatam were ostracized from the Hindu community as well. And by extension, Jiva Goswami, their nephew, also, but they became founding charges of his Sampradaya and so forth. So it's good to point to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as an example. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of Hindu fundamentalism. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, the, um, the opposition to that that is well-intended and an advocacy of, of compassion and so forth. Um, and when it, when, but when it reaches a conclusion that religion and it results in this, um, then they should throw out religion. But without religion, there wouldn't be any compassion, sense of compassion in the world. There's a good argument to be made for that, that compassion came to humans with with the um, development of religion. And there's also um, statistics to support that the most compassionate people are religious um, in, in, in their compassion in the real, real sense of the term. Um, but let's say, for example, what are the percentage of people who are religious as opposed to the percentage of people who are irreligious or not religious or atheistic they will actually volunteer their lives entirely to help other people as a missionary, to help others and, and live a humble life uh, and so forth. Not too many atheists that are, um, you know, so preoccupied with that. But even in Christianity, uh, you, you, you find such. And, you know, within Hinduism and Vaishnavism um, as well. So... I think, yeah, you have to point out what's the difference between the fundamentalist orientation to the, to the Dharma and an actual understanding and how that proper understanding is exemplified in no one more than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, historical figure who uh, arguably is um, um, the God in himself as well. Does that help? Yes, Maharaj. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, thank you for the question. <laughs> so I hope to be with you next week. All of you. Yes, Maharaj. Okay, Archon. Thank you very much. And if um, you can, you can, I'm going to make a couple of announcements. Okay. See you next week. Thank you. Uh, so devotees, stay on for just a minute. Um, just want to make an announcement that, um, June 27th and 28th, we're going to have another Japa weekend. Abhinash, we invite you also to join and we'll have to, you know, all be trying to work on having less distractions and being able to focus and become better Japa chanters. And the theme for this upcoming um, retreat is um, Faith and Nam. And we are going to try a different schedules to accommodate more the devotees in Europe um, and maybe in India as well that will start at nine and end at two um, on both Saturday and Sunday. So that's going to be the schedule we're going to experiment with and see if that works better for, for the devotees. Um, so information will be coming out soon. Um, we'll be sending that out in the next week or so. Um, so, and then the other thing is, um, Pavanava Swami is going to be giving four more classes on the, Gibi, Gita, the Gopi Gita. He, he finished the verses, but there's going to be concluding, um, some, he'll be going into other verses that, the next verses that aren't technically the Gopi Gita, but, um, but certainly he's going to, you know, speak on those and, um, those classes have been wonderful. So 
They are at 12 o'clock Eastern Daylight Savings Time um, from 12 to 1.15. Um, so from Monday to Thursday, we'll have four more classes on, on this topic. And um, so anyone that can join, we'd love to have you. Um, so that's all I have to say. So thank you all for um, participating in these calls and um, have a great week and we'll see everybody soon. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.